One of my favorite books is Ecclesiastes, and in particular, chapter 3. The author of Ecclesiastes writes in chapter 3, There's an appointed time for everything, and a time for every affair under the heavens. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot that plant, and a time to weep, and a time to laugh. We sit in a time of year where we begin to see change that occurs. Maybe not here in Texas, but in other places and parts of the country, the leaves begin to fall, the leaves begin to change color, and we come to experience and see the season going from summer into fall. The beautiful colors come about. So we see that there's a time for everything, a time in which those trees blossom and bloom, and a time in which the trees begin to shed its leaves to change colors. And so as we look at all our readings today, we're given an, a weird reading to look at. Because it's also time, but time for us. This time in particular, as we come and celebrate all souls, and we remember the souls of the faithful departed in this month of November, we too are challenged today to begin to look at our own time. Because we too one day will take our last breath here on earth and our time will come to see the Lord face to face. And so that time will come. I remember one of my professors saying, every day of our life we grow one, closer, one day closer to death than we are from our day of birth. So every day we're coming closer to the time in which we also will leave this earth. But the question for us to begin to ponder about and look at is how do we come to the understanding of our own mortality? What are we going to do? What are we going to be? And how are we going to, where are we going after this? Because just like our own mortality, we too, our bodies will return back into the earth through which the ashes we were created from. So does death mean that once I take my breath, life ends, period? Or is there something more, something that goes beyond just our death? And in our, all our readings today, we hear and are given this explanation of our afterlife. This afterlife, this life after death, is not something that we are, should be afraid of. God's not coming here to condemn, bring fire and blaze into this earth. But what we hear are true to tones of joy, of the fact that there is life after death. There is eternal life with him because of what's about to happen and what already happened. The Easter, the Easter Sunday, the resurrection. And so what do we do and how do we understand our life after death? The challenge and the hard part is we can become like the Sadducees and really stick with the law, really stick with just the material world in hand. Focus on what we can see, what we can measure, what we can understand. If we just sit in the scientific realm, in the things we can measure, the things we can look at, then us being here as faithful as Christians is in vain. Because how can we come to measure and understand God? How can we begin to comprehend and scientifically prove that God exists? 
And I can tell you, my brothers and sisters, that up to some point, we have to begin to see faith. There's so many arguments and so many ways of understanding that there is a God and God does exist. So we know that now God exists and there is life everlasting. But we can't come to understand and comprehend with our human minds what life, what our afterlife, life after death is going to look like. But we know from our readings today, it's not just life like we live today. Especially in our gospel reading today, we hear the story about a man who, who is given in, in marriage and he is not able to provide, the wife is not able to provide a son, an heir. And so now it's the responsibility of the next brother to marry that wife and continue on that for seven, seven times. And so the Sadducees ask and present this question to Jesus because their understanding of life after death is the same as we live here and now. It's just a worldly material world that nothing really matters, nothing goes beyond this. So how we live here is how we're going to live after death. But instead, Jesus gives us an understanding that our life here is not going to be the same as our life after death. It is transformed. It is different. It is made anew. So what do we get from our gospel reading today about our life after death? Life after death, first and foremost, is not the same. Because our life here on earth is meant for us to grow in holiness and in virtue, to grow in love of God and love of neighbor, and to begin to share that love with those around us. And so when we get to heaven, our experience of heaven is so much greater than that of here on earth. Because the experience of heaven is when we see our creator God face to face, where everything, all our questions, our doubts, our fears are all dispelled away. We are dwelling in such a loving relationship with God that nothing matters. And so we hear Jesus instruct, saying that marriage, you will not be married in heaven. Not because Jesus doesn't love the relationship between husband and wife, but the loving relationship you share with him in seeing him face to face outshines, outvalues anything else in this world that could be met. It's not to say that we undercut the relationship and the love between husband and wife. Because the relationship between husband and wife is supposed to mirror that love relationship of God to his people. As imperfect as we are, as flawed in our love as we have for others, that loving relationship we have with God will outshine will suffice everything that we need, and therefore nothing else really matters. And so we will be reunited with our family, with our friends, with all our relatives in heaven. But when we see God face to face, we acknowledge that they are there with us. We may encounter them, but that relationship with God is all that we need and will satiate all our desires. The challenge becomes, how does that look like for us? You know, especially as we celebrated Halloween a couple days ago, 
Two of the common things that show up in all Halloween decoration, all the Halloween movies, are ghosts and skeletons. So what really are they? A ghost is a spiritual being without a body. And skeletons are a body without a soul. So when we look at those things, we know that that doesn't really make sense. Because when we die, yes, our body is, will return back to the earth. But what we hear and understand is the fact that we will be reunited with a body, a glorified body, and we profess that in our creed. How and what that glorified body looks like and is going to be, we don't know. But what we do know is it will be mirrored and following after the glorified body of our Lord Jesus Christ as he's risen from the dead. And so how we will be glorified in our glorified body in heaven, we don't know. But we're just not a ghost wandering around without a body. And we're just not skeletons without a soul. We are and we will be body, soul in heaven. What that looks like, how do we make sense of that? We will only know and understand that when we see God face to face. And finally, he leaves us with the understanding that life after death does not begin at the moment in which we take our last breath here on earth. But yet, life after death begins here and now. I want to pose a question to help illustrate that point. Can anyone tell me what the zip code is or where heaven is? Anyone? Because heaven and hell is not a place. Heaven and hell is a state of being. Heaven is the place in which we see God face to face in all glory. Hell, therefore, is the place in which we've come to experience and see and witness to God's love and have decided to turn, our way, turn ourselves completely away from that love. And therefore, we hear in all our scripture readings in the Bible that there's wailing and gnashing of teeth because I've just turned myself away from a love so powerful that I want, I yearn for, I need, but now for all of eternity, I will not get to experience that forever. I've gotten a taste and a glimpse of it, and now I can't experience it anymore. Think of it in this way, as a child, when mom says you can't have this, how much more does a child want it? They're going to cry, they're going to complain, they're going to constantly yell at the fact that they want that item. And so hell, therefore, is very much like that. We've gotten a taste and a glimpse of that, and now we're going to be yelling, screaming for all eternity because we can't experience it anymore. So how does that help us make heaven present here on earth? We hear that in our first reading today from the second book of Maccabees. How can brothers give up their life for something that can't be scientifically proven, that we may or may not fully and completely understand through our own knowledge ourselves of what life after death means. The brothers in the second book of Maccabees 
are able to do that because of three cardinal virtues, the faith, hope, and love, which all begin and are rooted in and in relationship with someone, and that someone is God. Just like our human relationship, when we ask to trust someone, we have full confidence in that person that they have our benefit in mind. They love us so much that they will not put us in harm, and most importantly, they will lead us to the place we need to be. And so in that deep, authentic, and intimate relationship with God, we too have faith and have hope that what he says and what he promises us will come to fulfillment. And in doing so, that deep relationship begins to transform us and change us. Because in that transformation and change, we become saints in the, in the living. We become transformed in virtue and in holiness, and we become walking and living saints here on earth. Pick anyone, as we celebrated all saints on November 1st, pick any of the saints. We have saints that were young at five, six, seven, who gave up their life for God. We have married couples now who have given their life to God and shown us the example of living out a trust, a hope, and a love in God. So we too can become walking saints and live out that experience of heaven here on earth. Even though that experience here on earth will not be perfect as heaven when we come there, when we experience it, but it's a taste and glimpse of that. We come to this Eucharistic celebration where all the angels and saints gather together. All of time is united and at the celebration of the Eucharist. And so we too come to the glimpse and the taste of that heavenly realm. It was interesting because on Sunday, on actually All Saints Day, at the end of Mass, I, I, I had this chilling moment within myself. Because the beautiful experience of celebrating Mass here is there's this wall of sound that comes in the response, in the singing, in the participation of Mass. And if we truly understand what happens at the altar, we know that that's our heavenly experience. And so as I was celebrating Mass, there was this beautiful experience within me of recognizing the angelic voices united together as one giving praise to God and Jesus Christ giving himself up, becoming the sacrificial lamb, turning ordinary bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And so that feeling and experience for me was a really true taste and experience of the heavenly realm. And so it is possible to make heaven present here on earth through the joys and excitement of our lives I remember as a kid looking at religious nuns when they were at the church and there was always a question posed in my life. Why were they so happy? These nuns took on a variety of different projects and ministries within the church. Taking care of elderly, serving the community, helping the, the weak, the homebound, the sick at the church. And one of these great experiences was seeing the sisters on their knees cleaning the bathroom after an accident within the bathroom. But yet to see them with such great joy, with such great excitement, 
in doing that unglorified work always posed a question within me. Why are they so happy? And come to find out what they've come to experience and know is the experience and transformation of the experience in heaven. They too, in every day and every moment of their life, live out that heavenly experience of love, trust in the Lord in their authentic relationship with Him, and in doing so, it begins to transform and change their life. And so there's nothing more that they want in life except a deeper and intimate, authentic relationship with Him. Because from there, everything else makes sense. From there, every sacrifice, every hard work, everything they do is a taste and experience, a glimpse of the heavenly reality. And they don't yearn or want anything more. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, as we continue in the month of November, remembering the souls of the faithful departed, let us too remember of our own mortality, that we too, when our time comes, will leave this earth, will return back into the dirt in which we were created from. We too will see God face to face. But are we living out that faith every day of our life? Are we truly having an authentic relationship to prepare ourselves today, here and now, for that heavenly reality? Or are we still living life just like the Sadducees, focusing on the law, focusing on the material world, and so that when we get to our deathbed, we're freaking out. We're grabbing hold of anything and everything because we're so afraid of that reality of the life after death. Amen.